A sea of strange dreams is sweeping all around the world. This is our quest to decode them. I'm Alex Morgan. I'm a journalist and a vivid dreamer, and I'm fascinated by dreams. In this week's episode, we're looking at dreams where we speak another language or have no voice at all. Dropping in to help us out will be Josephine Jobert, the actress and star of the BBC's Death in Paradise, and of course, our resident dream catcher, the best-selling author, Theresa Chung. So make sure you're sitting or lying comfortably, tuck yourself in, and join us on the journey into your dreams. Josephine Jobert, bonjour, bienvenue au podcast. Bonjour, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a real, real pleasure to, to have you on the show. Of course, you are known to millions of fans of the BBC's Death in Paradise. You made a comeback this season. We thought we'd seen the last of you. You're back and people were delighted. So um, let's start there, if, if we can. Um, how on earth have you managed to make a show, which is a complicated drama show in the middle of a pandemic? I still don't know, but we made it. We did it. <laughs> no, we weren't sure we would be able to do it until the very last minute, to be honest. We started filming two months, a month and a half later than we used to do. And we had very like strict restrictions on set. I mean, everybody was wearing masks. We had a um, COVID supervisor on set. <laughs> oh, a COVID supervisor. That's a very 2020 yes, it's a job, new job. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we had to be careful about everything. Even during the scenes, we couldn't be too close to each other. We couldn't touch each other. And that was very tricky, but you know, that was the price to pay to be able to yeah. film and to work. Yes. So we couldn't really complain about it and everything went well. Um, so, yeah, we've been blessed, to be honest. So lucky. Well, we as fans of the show, I think it's fair to say, have been blessed as well because we got a season of Death in Paradise when we were, we were really running out of things to watch. <laughs> you know, we're looking at our TVs, hoping, hoping our favourites would come back. And for those who don't know the show, maybe, you know, you could just tell us a bit about the character you play and also the fact, as I mentioned, you, you know, you left the series and now you've come back. So there's been quite a story there too. So my character, she first appeared in series four. She was a police officer. And then Sarah, uh, who played Camille, left the show. Then my character upgraded and became a DI. <laughs> got a promotion. Good for her. She got a promotion. Yes. Um, so, yeah, she's a... I mean, I think we could be friends in real life if she was a real person. She's really funny. She's gentle. She's a good friend. She's a good listener. Anytime... Um, her colleague have a problem. She's here to help. She loves her job. She's an action girl, you know. She's not afraid of uh, chasing a bad guy and fighting and jumping on the boat, on a moving boat. That's what I like the most about her. <laughs> <laughs> and in series eight, she left because she lost her fiancé a few days before getting married. Um, he died. So, I mean, for her, staying on an island, on this island was too difficult. Every single thing, uh, any like every single restaurant or beach or any place would remember her of him and their relationship. So she was like, okay, I'm going to leave for a few months or year. I don't know. Just to recover and to think about something else and to get better. In series 10, she receives a call from the commissioner, the famous commissioner, <laughs> Selwyn, <laughs> asking her to come back. And I guess she 
She said yes because she's a strong woman and her job is everything and it's her island and she was I mean she was like okay I'm going to do it. I'm stronger than this and maybe this will this will help me to move on and to recover and that's what she did and I'm glad she did. Well, we are glad too. And I think what you mentioned there, the journey of your character sums up Death in Paradise, really, because fundamentally it's a show about people being murdered. I mean, in a gentle way, it's a whodunit in the very traditional sense of a whodunit. And the show does have some wonderful colour, music, and it's it's a feel-good show. But it does also have the, some of these moments which which are very moving, um, not to mention the first detective, Ben Miller, very well an actor. Well, he got murdered. So, you know, <laughs> it does have these moments where it, it pulls the viewers in very many directions. One of which, of course, was the very moving story of your character's fiance. So um, because the show is so broadly, uh, it appeals to so many people around the world. I was just going to ask you how, how you felt having fans in England now and France, not just perhaps in French TV and cinema, but over here in, in, in the English world as well. I was very surprised. But I mean, it's really cool. I love it um, to be able to share and to talk with people all around the world because I'm very active on my Instagram. I try to answer to as many messages as possible. I can't answer to all of them. Of course, there's too many. But, you know, we have fans. I mean, in America, Canada, France, Italy, Spain, Australia, the show is huge in Australia. And the fans, I mean... I don't want to say they're all the same because they're different people, but you know what I mean? All the messages I receive, it's all about love and support. It's kind words. So love is universal. And I feel, I feel really blessed. I mean, to be able to share that love with everybody and to know that the show is so famous everywhere, just not because of the fame, but just because we work so hard for that show. Yes. And to know that people enjoy it everywhere in different countries. It's an amazing feeling. Well, what you said there about, you know, love and good vibes. I mean, we all need some of that. So, you know, thank you for reflecting that back at, of course, all the people who do write to you and and these things. And um, I am curious, actually, Josephine, uh, because so much of the show, the comedy, let's face it, is about English people and French people kind of not always understanding each other. Um, I'm English and I lived in France for a few years and I can tell you I felt like I was in my own sitcom I wasn't murdered, which is always good, but I'm sure there were a couple of people who would have taken the chance to. Um, but for you, mixing in with with the you know English culture now, as I say, you're you're well known in England through this series. Have you started to I don't know drink cups of tea? Have you started to absorb English culture as well? <laughs> uh, tea has always been the, like I've always loved drinking tea, so that's not new for me. With milk or without milk. With milk when I was younger, but I've stopped because I'm intolerant. I got away with it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The only difference is I watch more series in English now without the subtitles. I was more used to the American accent because I lived in Canada for years. In Quebec, they speak French, but they're very close to America. So it's more, they're, they're, they're closer to American culture. My first year on set, I was struggling to understand the English accent because I wasn't used to it. But now I'm fine with it. Even um, different accents from different, um, not countries, but, you know, depending on where you're from, the accent yes. changed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
So I was like, oh, how, do, how do you think we feel? You know, we're native speakers and we can barely understand each other half the time. Uh, really? You know, um, <laughs> well, look, I do feel for you on that one. And that will be our dream theme of the week, feeding into this discussion we're going to have about dreaming in different languages, but of course the influence of different cultures in there too. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Josephine, I know you've got one dream in particular that you would like to have interpreted, but that you feel maybe you've already got the answer. Well, you know what? I think I don't have the answer, but I might, I guess, I guess the meaning. Okay. I'll tell you all about <laughs> okay. it. <laughs> okay. It's a dream that I have quite often. It happens like many times a year. I'm somewhere. I mean, it could be anywhere, my house, um, I mean, a forest, I don't know, a plane, a place I don't know about. I have okay. to go. I have to leave very quickly. There is an emergency, but I can't. I can't because I have to, I mean, my stuff is all over the place. I have to grab my things and I can't because it's, it's, it's everywhere. And every time I grab something, something else appears on the other side and I try to put everything in my luggage, <laughs> but it never stops, you know. And it gives me anxiety. And it can last for like minutes and minutes, which is quite long in a dream. Yes. So, so, so you have your start. So physical belongings, you're trying to grab them all and try and get them. Where are you going? Do you have a train or a plane? Where are you going? No, I have no idea. I just know that I have to leave. I have to go. I have to leave that place because something wrong is going to happen and I have to go. But I don't know what, right. I don't know where I have to go. <laughs> I don't know why I have to go, but I have to go. <laughs> now, where, did these dreams start at a particular point in time? Or is this something you've had all your life? It's a dream I've been having for years. And okay. by for years, I mean uh, five, six, seven years, maybe. Okay, so, I mean, ultimately, in the scale of your life, then more to, you know, more recently, not a dream you had as a kid or anything like that, sort of, it's happened really, I suppose, when no. your career has truly sort of blown up and gone international. Maybe. I, I don't know. It's just, you know, all my life, you know, I, I lived in Paris until the age of 12. Then I moved to Canada for eight years. So it was a big move for me in my life. Then I came back to France when I was 20. And since then, I haven't stopped moving, traveling for work all around the world, just for fun, you know, just, you know, to discover other countries. And also when I'm in France, I live, I, I, I live, I live between uh, Paris and Metz, which is a city um, that is um, Eastern France. So I'm always in, on the train, on the plane. On the go. On the go, constantly. So, okay. Well, listening in to that is our dream interpreter, Teresa Chung. Teresa, that's a rich one to dive into, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. And I'm the dream catcher now, Alex, the dream, remember? Indeed, the dream catcher, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good to see you so wide awake and alert. And thank you, Josephine, for being the first lady to be brave enough to talk about your dreams. Ooh. We've had quite a few guys talking about them. <laughs> but let's go into your your recurring dream now recurring dreams happen for a reason because you're not getting the message they're trying to send to you because dreams are like an inner therapist they're trying to send you a message that can heal or help you move forward in your waking life because dreams comment on your waking life so if you have a recurring dream it's happening because your dreaming mind is saying you haven't got this yet Make a change in your waking life and then I won't send you this dream anymore. 
And what you don't want is to not make that change. And then eventually this dream becomes a nightmare that really frightens you at night. And that's what the dreaming mind can do sometimes. It can get like that to really make its point. But the dream might, the dream suggests to me a lot of responsibilities um, and potentially not being able to express your feelings about those responsibilities, maybe because life's too busy. I think the early setting, it's interesting you said there are different settings in the beginning of my dream. It can be a forest, it can be a plain. I think that would be a good starting point, you know, about why this dream is being triggered. So because a plain is like, you know, maybe you are, you need to look at the bigger picture. You know, when you're in your plane, you can look down that, that maybe that will help you. Being in a forest may, maybe means that you are really can't see the, the, the wood for the trees. You know, there's just too much going on. So what it's saying is if you don't want this dream to keep happening and if you don't enjoy having this dream, because it is possible to have dreams you enjoy. If you're not enjoying this dreams, this suggests in your waking life that you're maybe not enjoying having so much going on that you don't feel that you do anything as well as you want to. That's perhaps what I would say. Obviously, I'm not you. The best dream interpreter is yourself, isn't it, Alex? As we always say. Well, it's certainly not me. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> but I, I think for me, Teresa, one of the things I just wanted to say, Josephine as well, just looking at what you had there, it, it's perhaps that you you had this awareness that this was what the dream meant. You know, what Teresa was saying maybe was confirming something you already knew. Yeah, yeah. And I that's know. because she's a girl. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, um, there's... N- there's no place where I really feel like home and I need to find that place in my life. Um, you know, I'm always traveling. I need to settle down. I need to, you know, just, you know, relax and be able to chill without thinking about a hundred things. Um, I'm always on the go. I have to, I think I have to calm down a little bit, but most of the time it's because of work. So what can I do about it? (laughs) And on the other side, it's a chance for me to be able to travel all around the world. You know what I mean? So it's like... Your recurring dream is showing that conflict that a part of you loves the excitement and glamour. And, you know, it's a wonderful, creative career you have. But there's another part of you that just would like a little bit of peace. And it's interesting that you were drawn to doing this podcast, the first lady we have on it as well, because your dreams are telling you to follow that inner voice more that the way forward is through what your dreams are trying to tell you, what your intuition is telling you, and your intuition is saying, streamline a bit, minimalize. Um, that's the way forward right now. Find out where your heart really is centered. Go for that. Not, But the trouble is when you are a, a talented person, everybody wants a piece of you. And it's it's knowing what you want, you know, you being in the driving seat of your life rather than other people. It's fascinating. I mean, I think you're one of the you're one of the few people who's managed to have a busy year when all the rest of us have been sat in our living rooms. Uh, so <laughs> you've even managed to be busy during a global pandemic. But um, fascinating to hear the interpretation on that. Do stay with us, both of you. Coming up in just a moment, we'll be looking at our dream theme of the week. And this week, it's dreaming in different languages. So when it comes to dreaming in different languages, I think, uh, Josephine, you are the perfect person to speak to, given that you are an actress in both English and French, and you're used to performing a script in those two languages. So tell us about the times when you felt yourself slipping into English in your dreams. You know what? Like, before filming on Death in Paradise, my English was okay. 
But I used to have dreams in English. I can't tell you if my English, like how good was my English and my dreams at the time. <laughs> Probably very bad, but to me it felt amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but um, yeah, while I'm in Guadeloupe filming Death in Paradise, I dream in English, not that often, but I think, yeah, it might happen a few times, like two or three times during five months, which is quite cool. But when I'm back to my normal life, mm, I should say maybe one or two times a year. Okay. So it's very much depending on where you are that your mind is sort of going. Yes. And what kind of dreams do you have in English? Is it just a, a normal dream or are there particular types? No, just random no, normal dreams. Rent can be on any subject. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not trying to escape in English this time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't really remember what I say in my dreams, but when I wake up in the morning, I know that I've been dreaming in English and I love it. I love it. And I think it's like, you know, when you're trying to learn a new language, the best way is to live, like to live in a country where everybody speaks that language. But also sometimes when you have a drink, you're in a party a and you have a drink, <laughs> you know, you feel more comfortable and you don't care anymore about other people's judgment. And then you yes. like, you know, you let yourself go and you just speak, speak, and you don't care about making mistakes. And I think maybe in your dreams, it's the same thing. Because, I mean, you let go. A sort go. of freedom, a yeah, sense of freedom. A freedom. Yeah. You your, your brain doesn't think about it too much. Because when you learn a new language, I mean, the first thing is that you're so afraid of making mistakes that you, yes. don't, you don't speak because you're just, you know, you know, you're shy. Well, for me, my French, and you know, you're saying you're worried about your English not being good in dreams. For me, I think my level of French in my dreams is significantly worse. You know, we're talking sort of... Moi j'ai soif. Je voudrais an origina. You know, je an origina. But, uh, you know, but it is that sense of when you have dreamt in another language, you know, however poorly, you think, wow, okay, that's interesting. So, Teresa, you know, you have people from all around the world writing to you, presumably dreaming in their own languages and others. What do you make of dreams when we change languages? Well, it was interesting, actually, because before we started recording the interview, the two of you spoke in French. And I, I don't, I'm bad. I just speak English. And, and that's what going into the dream world is like. You're in a different country. You're in a different place. The, the, you're unconscious. And you, if you want to understand the culture of a new country, you need to learn the language. And it's exactly the same for interpreting your dreams. You need to learn the language, which is the language of your personal symbols. And that takes time. But it's interesting to go back to Josephine. You say that you love dreaming in English. Now, that's a big sign. Maybe your future is here in English and you dream about everyday things. So maybe you feel that in England you can be more relaxed. You can be yourself. But generally, dreaming in languages, different languages, again, is symbolic of aspects of yourself that you need to have a conversation with and that you need to learn from. I think one thing that's very interesting for me, um, just listening to what you were saying there, Teresa, and just to ask you, Josephine, on this podcast, we're very open to exploring what is a great mystery, you know, why we dream. And it is a mystery. And uh, Teresa and I are going to be a bit gutted because we're not going to solve it. Sorry, Teresa, but we'll try. But, uh, you know, the mystery of <laughs> the mystery of human consciousness. But for you, Josephine, how do you see your dreams? I mean, do you think they're simply the brain working through what it needs to think about? How do you interpret dreams? It depends. Sometimes I have, I mean, my dreams are really, really, really intense most of the time. I mean, a lot of things happen. 
uh, my imagination is like no limits. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. But sometimes I dream about random things, things that I've been talking about during the day or the day before. So it could be something on TV or any random subject. And I know sometimes it's about messages. And I really believe, I'm really spiritual. So I really believe about, I don't know if it, God itself, but I mean, something bigger and stronger than us. I believe in angels. So sometimes I, it's pretty clear what the message is in my dreams. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, I know what some people up, like, you know, up there <laughs> just try to tell me. <laughs> so yeah, it depends. Sometimes it's just random things. And sometimes I think it's clearly a message. And I, like you, I think when we go into the world of the dream, we're going into the world of our intuition, our sixth sense, uh, a part of ourselves that's invisible and unseen, sees the bigger picture of our life and is trying to help us. Um, so we, we are very aligned there, Josephine. This is wonderful. That to, to, Thank you. <laughs> Well, I think for me, what's very interesting is, um, Josephine, um, previously in the series, we've spoken to doctors who are very, you know, I suppose you could say very rooted in the here, the now, science, not spirituality. But for all of us, there is, you know, there is something bigger there that we don't understand, whether we're spiritual or not. And it's really lovely to hear, you know, for you that this these dreams mean something to you and that there's a journey there. Um Teresa, I just wanted to just go back to languages because we're talking about that. You said it's about learning to interpret the language of our own symbols. How might we learn to do that? Well, it's like, you know, if I, I mean, I love dogs and cats. So if I dream of dogs and cats, it's a, it, it's a loyal companion, love, unconditional love. But if somebody has been bitten by a dog or hates cats, when they those symbols appear in your dreams, it has the opposite meaning. It's what your association is with a symbol. However, there are certain universal symbols in dreams, and that's where I've you know, written all the dictionaries about and everything to try and help people as an entry point into the dream. For example, if you dream of a car or a plane, any mode of transport in a dream is to suggest your direction in life, you know, and are you the one driving or are you a passenger, that kind of thing. But then to get really into a proper interpretation that can help you in your waking life, you need to look at your personal association. I always say the best dream decoder is the dreamer themselves. And it's interesting that Josephine plays a detective um, and when you go into the dream, you've got to be like a detective, solve this mystery, this puzzle, because every dream is like a puzzle full of hidden treasure for you to unlock. There's no such thing, in my opinion, as a random, meaningless dream. Um, not interpreting it is such a loss. Teresa, I just wanted to ask you on this, when we're talking about languages, we've had people write to us on the show, and you know, I've had these dreams myself, where it's not the case that you can speak another language. In fact, you can't speak at all. You've lost your voice. What does that mean? Well, obviously, you being a journalist, Josephine being an actress, your your living is your your voice. You know how you're heard. I mean, for me, if that kind of dream would probably be that I couldn't type or I couldn't write. It's it's the fear of of what you do, your passion being taken away from you. But what your dream is doing there, it's role playing the worst case scenario to help you. It's cathartic, so that when you wake up in the morning, you've lived through it. It's become a memory. I mean, that's where dreams are very helpful. They give these disaster scenarios sometimes and these frustrations to show, look, 
you've been there, it's in the past, it's a memory, move on, you can deal with it. It's trying to help you, actually. Your greatest fear, Alex, you probably not talking. <laughs> my, my greatest fear, other people's greatest hope. <laughs> um, Don't say that. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Uh, it's, it's like been... a lot of... A lot of creative yeah. people have this, like, you know, actresses, you know, performers, that they're on stage and they forget the lines. That's a classic dream. Classic, yeah. But it's also because you, you're a perfectionist. You want to do well. You want, you know, it's your greatest fear. So your dream allows it to happen so that, you know, you you survived it. You're okay. You know, sometimes experiencing what's the worst can, that can happen is a psychological technique, isn't it, to help you move forward. And your dream's trying to do that again, Alex. I keep saying your dreaming mind is your best friend. If people would just realise that, it's trying to help you every single night. And also, Josephine, you said that your dreams are so creative and vivid, which suggests to me that in your waking life, that's how you approach life as one big adventure to learn. You notice things, you're curious, alive, fully alive. So your dreams are going to be like that. Your dreams mirror your your attitude to life it's yeah it's true because there's so many details in my dreams i mean if someone asks me like tell me about your dreams i'm like it can take an hour (laughs) because i have other small details i I pay attention on the details of everything i'm really perfectionist so i mean i guess that's the reason why my, my dreams have so many details in it a lot of highly highly creative people are i wish i hope you write if you have time to write them down because you will find that, you know, coming back to them, you'll see how they're commenting on your waking life, sometimes even predicting it, offering you new perspectives. Every dream is offering you a new perspective to help you move forward. Also, information to help you understand yourself better, because the journey of our lives is to understand ourselves better. And that's why people visit a therapist, is to learn about themselves. But every night, your dreaming mind is being your inner therapist, helping you learn and evolve. What about people who don't remember their dreams? There's often psychological reasons for that, um, that they maybe don't want to delve too deeply into who they are. And that's for personal reasons. Some people do like prefer to identify with the material aspects of life. And they're a little bit uncomfortable with, with, with the unpredictable, what is unseen, what is mystical. Um, that, that's one big reason. But also because they could be very logical people. And if you've grown up thinking that imagination is nonsense, that suspending your disbelief is, is, has no purpose, that intuition isn't a force, then your dreaming mind's going to reflect that back and it's going to shut down that huge resource that you've got. It's changing your perspective in waking life to help the recall. Also, sometimes it can be because of stress or childhood trauma can sometimes block the ability to recall dreams because it's too painful to go deep down fascinating well i mean josephine this has been you know fascinating for us but this has been your journey into your dreams now we are here at the end of that journey what would you say were some of the main reflections for you having listened to what Teresa had to say i mean for me the thing that i would um keep in mind is that in your dreams there is a message and you have to pay attention and be careful about it because someone something is trying to tell you something could be your mind, could be your angel, could be anything, but you have to pay attention. You have to listen. Well, please, can you come back on this show, Josephine, because you have got it. You've got it with the message that I've been passionate about trying to tell people for decades. But I really believe in it. Thank you. I really do. 
Well, there we are. That is why, for me, this show is so interesting. It gives us all a chance to look at our dreams, to reflect on what they mean to us. And whether we're a scientist or a, a spiritual person, we can come to our own conclusions. But I, I love that. And so, Josephine Jobber, thank you so much for letting us into your dreams. Thank you for having me. In Your Dreams was hosted and devised by Alex Morgan. It's a Reva Media production available on all podcast platforms. Please do subscribe and follow the show. And thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next time.